You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in, listening today, episode number seven, Vox and Hops. Today I sat down with my friend Aaron K. Homa. He's the guitarist of Colliteris and also the guitarist of Annihilator. Uh, we have an awesome conversation about him growing up listening to Disney music and musicals, about getting signed to a label at a young age, and how he handles the transition between touring with Colliteris and Annihilator. He also speaks about a topic which is uh, somewhat controversial, about uh, touring with musicians which are not the founding members of the band, touring with replacement members, whereas if a certain key member of the band can't be in a tour, is it okay to tour without them, and in his opinion about that. Check it all out. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number seven. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, how's it going, everyone? I'm here with Aaron K. Homa in the backstage of the Piranha Bar in Montreal. He's here on his tour with his band, Colliteris. It's quite nice back here. It's it's uh, it's it's one of the cleaner backstages I've been in. Well, the place has been redone since... Uh since the uh, well, the stage is on the different side of the room now. Since the last time I was here, so I guess they just revamped the place. It's very nice and clean back here, uh, which is why we chose to stay here and not go to Frit Alor. That's right, yeah. And there's like there's not as many penises on the walls as most backstages. No, 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 not enough. <laughs> well. It is nice to see you, though, Matt. You know, yeah, yeah, we're on a good ratio. We were together last week at Yuri Raymond's show and Unhuman, crossed each other there. That was a nice little blessing. Yeah, it was actually just by chance that we were there. You know, we weren't even planning on going to that show, but we got dragged there by the forces of metal. <laughs> we were rehearsing not far down the street, so it just so happened we could we had to go see our brother Yuri there. So what's been going on with you? Not much. We just did a lot of tours in. Uh, in Europe with uh, Annihilator and the festivals, of course. Uh, I say tours because like the, the year was filled with like three or four tours with Testament and Death Angel and Vader. And uh, I, we did a, a bunch of headlining stuff and then all the festivals in the summer. That's amazing. And now we're doing Colliterous stuff and about to release an album. And uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes work with that release has been going on with my time. It's you know? very exciting. It's good. It must be refreshing. It's making me feel young because I'm losing weight from all the stress. <laughs> so I'm looking more like my former self. There you go. Uh, but I'm there's tired. Some, there's something about metal that, that keeps us all looking young, though. Well, I always talk about how uh, one might go on like a tour, like and we go on any tour, whether it's a festival that's a you know you've gone for a week, or you're gone for one of the long haul six weeks or longer. It feels like an extended day. When you leave your house and when you get home, it's like, oh, I'm back home. Now the day's over. Yeah, yeah. And, but yeah. you watch your friends get old and have kids and, and, and accomplish things. And you kind of feel like you've been at the same spot, <laughs> even though you're doing <laughs> stuff. It's just in that realm that they don't even understand, you know? No, it's a very tricky thing. I'm lucky. I have, like, key friends that I've kept throughout you know all my touring experiences like that people that are not in the music industry but a lot of them don't seem to 
comprehend it. It's sort of hard to keep those friends close unless it's those like type of friends that you don't need to hang out with. And when you hang out with them, they're like, nothing's changed. Those, those are like the diamond in the rough, true friends that, of that course. I, I like to hang on to. It's weird. I find that I've, the best friends I've, I've made now that I hang out with the most are guys I've met on tour, actually. So they kind of know what it's all about. But, you know, like... The, I feel totally like I'm watching my some of my friends from high school just get older around me. How old are you Crazy. now? I'm 31 now. There you go. Yeah. You know, so it's the the once once when I hit the 30s, all my friends were like, you know, just finishing getting married, and then the kids were exactly. coming. I don't know if that's the same thing for Man, you. Man, my Facebook wall is just filled with babies and marriages. You yeah. know, like and wedding invites that you can't go to because you're yeah, on tour. Exactly. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And, and that not, maybe that's also what makes it feel like one long day that extended. Just perpetual, you know, uh, Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It feels kind of like that. Being on tour, you know, you wake up and you're, even though you're in a different place, you're in the same tour bus or you're in the same van yeah. or whatever. It's the same thing every day. I do tend to listen to that Nine Inch Nails song, Every Day is Exactly the Same. I, I pull it out at least once a tour when I'm like in a mood and I'm on a walk there. Yeah. 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 At yeah, least but, once a tour. But that's it for me, you know, I, I the perpetual touring. I think that'll be what we, what we do, you and me both, for the rest of our existence. I know? wouldn't complain. Yeah, me neither. There, there's definitely the high parts, but there's always the low parts. Parts. Yeah. Let's think about this beer. All right. I brought a special beer for you. Out of these sweet, uh, heavy called, MTL glasses you got. Yeah, yeah. And Pizza Fest. We're backstage. I, I didn't want to just drink out of a red plastic solo cup. Yeah, what are we fucking savages? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So I, I brought I brought cups from home, and they're both from Heavy MTL and Pizza Fest. You party in style, my friend, and that's why I love this. Uh, the beer I brought is from Le Trou du Diable. It is uh, called Lourdes. It's called, which is oh, the bear. Oh, that's nice and sour, eh? Yeah. So off the nose, it will be a sour type beer. The man who makes my guitars, Mr. Bond, is obsessed with these. There you go. I mean, I should interview. These sour I should beers. interview Philip Bond. Oh, he's a yeah. That's a really good idea. Cat man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go stay gonna, at his house tomorrow. I heard that. Yeah, because uh, it's Drummondville's tomorrow. Yeah. You let him know that I, I want to interview him because that that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. It'll be the yeah. first thing I say. Yeah. So this is um, an assembly of beers. So what they did is they blended 20% sour rye beer, which is aged for two years in uh, Benilus Oh, this is totally barrels. a yuri thing, man. Yeah, exactly. 80% young season. So it's going to start off like smelling like a sour, but it's going to end up like ending with a little bit more uh, refreshing finish and a little bit oaky. It's nice. I like it, man. It smells really good. Uh, the, the, it feels like a sour. Le Trou de Diable was bought out by Morrison at Molson and Coors last March, and there was like a whole uproar in the craft brewing of course. community. That's what happens when someone takes over uh, a little guy, right? That's right. But for me, I, I, apparently in their... They get to continue to run independently, and they, the fact that they're still releasing interesting beers like this, and they're not just sticking to their classic six, still gives me hope that they're going to keep continuing to put out yeah, man, quality This, this quality whole sour beer. beer thing is new to me because I basically quit drinking beer three years ago, you know, for that really? DVD. We did a live DVD. And uh, I was preparing for it by slimming down a bit so that I don't have to look at DVDs of myself being a, a fat, you know, piece of crap for the rest of my life. So I, I slimmed down and then I just didn't start drinking beer again. I switched to the clear liquor, you know. And some whiskey. It, it, it definitely packs on some pounds. But... I find myself dancing around... I've found myself drinking these beers now. Because of Mr. Bond, we were just talking about... I just did the Vancouver Guitar Fest. And uh, he got... Uh, during my birthday, uh, which was actually on the, the 12th of August, not too long ago. 
Happy belated birthday. Belated, yes. Uh, but we're celebrating it today with these beers, and I had some with Bond, too, and it's like, uh, I guess these sour beers are a new thing. They're kind of cool. So I find it very interesting that they like they take two beers that they've made, they mix them together, and then they age them even longer. Man, Yuri used to do that on tour all the time. He would mix IPAs with stouts, Imperial Stouts. He'd do like 70% IPA and then 30% that uh, some black beer, right? And it would turn out to be really good, but if you drank a lot of it, it wouldn't it wouldn't sit well in my stomach, and I'd get super super sick, and then I wouldn't be driving to the next venue. No, know? no, no. So this beer has a three point nine nine out of five untapped rating, and a six percent alcohol in it. Do you remember your first experience with beer? With beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. was that like? I was. It was the first time I ever drank. Actually, I didn't really know anything, and. Uh, about about drinking, and I, I was actually against drinking my whole life. Um, I was one of those guys who played guitar and didn't really party much, you know. But I smoked tons of weed, and uh, I never really drank until I was about eighteen or nineteen. Really, that's and the first time I drank, I remember uh, I was drinking with some of my skid friends, you know, and they were saying, "We well, well let's just drink each a, a Colt forty-five, right?" <laughs> Which is like the equivalent to like a Schlitz or like a an old English, you know? And I remember we just drank them as fast as we could, you know? And I've never been that sick ever again, you know, drinking. So I didn't drink again after that for years. And then I didn't I didn't really get into beers until I started touring with Yuri. Uh, and even before that a little bit when we were recording with Chris, the first uh, the first album there. He got me into nicer beers and stuff, and then we started hanging out more and more. And as you know, we're friends. We're all friends, right? So when that friendship started happening in Quebec when I moved here, it was, that's, you know, beer became a hobby. And then when I moved back to Ontario and started doing the Annihilator stuff more so, and I had to do that fucking DVD, no more beer. You had to make a cut somewhere. But now I'm, like, returning to it, it seems, and, and the there's all the sour stuff and, and like, Cartoons and candy are my favorite things, and sour candies are my favorite. So that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on it. Yeah, you're not the first to have said that. That uh, the transition from liking sour candies Man, as a I, child into like liking the sour and sour beers, like, sour patch kids in my bank. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So yeah, the, the first experience: Colt 45, a vomit. Uh, back of friend's car, embarrassment, etc. What about when you're touring the world? Do you have like a I don't favorite? drink. You don't drink on tour ever? No. I Well, I have like every now and then I'll have a, a couple shots of whiskey, a couple shots of uh, vodka, you know, which uh, which is, is a normal thing at the end of the night. But I, I don't drink before we play usually because I, I don't want to... I don't want to fuck up how we play, you know? And even if you make a mistake that isn't in any way affiliated with your drinking, mm -hmm. you're still going to blame it on that. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. So I don't like to have any of those crutches in the way, you know? That's good. That's wise. you got to be sharp. But if I were to drink anything on tour, and I do go looking for it a lot, it's in... You're, like I said, I love candy and cartoons, right? I also... The soda pops go with that. Okay. You know, I even have a soda machine at my house. That's how much I love soda. Like pop. a fountain yeah, yeah, soda yeah, machine yeah, at home. Exactly. Wow. So I like what Fritz Cola. Fritz Cola oh, yeah. in Germany okay. is like yeah, the yeah, best yeah, thing yeah. ever, man. It is good. That yeah, that's true. It's unreal good. But other than that, you know, 
It's not too much. Tell me about your early life growing up. What were you like when you were a kid and uh, you in high school? I'm, I was basically the exact same as I am right now, to be honest, especially since high school. But maybe when I was younger, uh, any like any Canadian kid, man, I just did sports, uh, like theater stuff, you know. Like I did everything that was available to do in Canadian schools. When you say theater, were you acting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? You know, okay, like, I, I could see all, that. I took but... part in all the theater stuff. But I was, like, highly into the athletic department of our school, too, you know, weightlifting and all that stuff in high school. Then, uh, I, like, I wanted to be a pro wrestler, right? And I did then, not know that. And then uh, my dad convinced me to not do it and to okay. do music instead. What, what, what was... So music was, like, the viable backup. <laughs> <laughs> you know but, what I mean? Like, but, <laughs> what, what was his what was his argument? Well, he said that you're you're not big enough. You're gonna have to be one of those crazy high flyers. And you're gonna destroy your body, and you're not gonna know who you are by the time you're 43. And which which a lot of those guys, you know, are. You, you look at how it rolled and, out. Yeah. He wasn't making it up. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, music was like the the option that wasn't as crazy. <laughs> which is for you laughing because like for most guys in our industry. Like music is like the that was the taboo no thing. So my parents were really like cool about it and really wanted me to to do it. Did you grow up in a house with like music playing all the time? Yeah, instruments yeah, yeah. were around. Yeah, heavy heavy Broadway influenced house actually. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. My whole family. What would be the soundtrack to your youth? Oh, like uh, Cats and uh, Phantom of the Opera and Joseph and stuff like that. All the Weber stuff. Okay. Yeah. And but then again, you know, like all the Disney movies back at when we were growing up were musicals too so anything that Howard uh, Ashman I think and uh, what's his name Alan Menken wrote was pretty cool you know they did all the Disney movies in the in 90s, the 90s yeah. like The Lion King uh... except The Lion King that was Elton John okay. and someone else I think the guy who did uh, I, can't, I can't remember the guy I they, they were significantly better in the early 90s oh yeah the, because the, there was like the, the revamp of, of the Disney world you know, that's what's the, what, that's what I grew up with. Have you ever watched The Black Cauldron? Oh, yeah, The Black Cauldron. Yeah, yeah that was like re-released on VHS when we were... You were a couple years older, so you're probably like nine or ten when it was yeah. released. It's like the creepiest like, Disney movie ever. Oh yeah, it's a weird. It's the most metal it, has a, it has a wizard in it too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the Sword in the Stone kind of vibe. Same the darker. Era. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's a good movie. <laughs> I love Disney. Stuff. When did guitar start? Guitar. Three, my aunt and uncle bought me a guitar. And you were three. Yeah, and then I started messing around with the thing and, and figuring out how, how it worked, you know? Wow. Well, because it's a complex thing, even though, you know, people don't even understand how guitars work, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Like musicians fail to remember. They don't even understand how, like, what, what you're doing with your hands. Why do you have to push down? How's it, like, magically making notes? People don't understand. So as a kid, even if you're just touching the thing, it's useful. Then when I got a little older, I started taking lessons and stuff. And what bands were influencing you growing up? What 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 took you from like Broadway? Well, like my favorite, to more extreme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. So my favorite band when I was growing up, and the first band I really ever heard and identified with was Silverchair. Okay. When I heard Frog Stomp when I was a kid, I thought it was crazy and a really freak show. 
but before that, uh, I was listening to music with my parents that I didn't really like. I wasn't necessarily, you know, picking, but I grew up loving. So things like Hall and Oates, I love. Things like Extreme, uh, Mr. Big, bands like that, are, are, which are just like radio rock bands, but with good songwriting, you know. That's what I was listening to. So and that was kind of in the background all the time. And then the soundtracks to all those Broadway musicals and the Disney movies. But the first band was Silverchair. Still the band I love the most, I think. Yeah. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. You still go back to... Yeah, I haven't changed much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. You know. When did you start playing in bands? When I was 15 or 16, my friend Kyle convinced me to join a band to start a band and i didn't i didn't think i wanted to do it uh i wasn't really into the idea because i thought i was going to make music was, was something i really used as like a, an escape when i was bored tired or stressed you know and i thought it was going to kind of take the fun out of that or maybe that feeling out of it because it would maybe add a stress to my life having to play these songs and write these songs and do all this shit involved with playing music because it's a serious thing when you're in a, in a band, you know? At least that's the way I look at it. I still look at it like that, you know? And that's maybe that's why I'm still doing it. But <laughs> at the time, it was kind of scary. And I, maybe it's because I knew I would, I would love it so much, you know? But that's how, that's how it happened. And then I started a band with my, with my friends, you know? And then I think that, that it wasn't that band, but the band eventually kind of morphed into another band when we got signed to Sumerian. And then I left, you know, and leave the band. What band is that? They're, they were called Today I Caught the Plague. Really? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kindred. I wasn't in the band when they changed the name. Okay. That was my first band, you know, the first thing I ever worked on really that was anything, you know. For that's, that, that dream story. Were you in the band when it got signed? No. That so was I afterwards. left and then, and then they got signed. And I was in a different band at that time, too. I was already on, I was in um, Immersed on, on Unique Leader Records. So Okay. I, and then I, then I started my band, too, at the, around the same time so it's which is calliterous yeah and then I joined Vital Remains then yeah. I left to join uh, Annihilator yeah that's it that's the name of the band that I play for right now <laughs> and how did you end up in Annihilator uh, it, actually we're in Montreal and uh, oddly enough the person who's putting this show on tonight Nick Guérin Shout who's out to a Nick. good yeah. friend of mine and yours and yeah, everyone's yeah. in the scene here uh, maybe you can give him a little bit more of a description than I could even. He know. is a uh, promoter extreme. Uh, he used to run uh, a band t-shirt sales yeah, point, like, which like, was called uh, Labyrinth. And it's just like was a, a like a big depot with thousands of I band used to, shirts. I used to take the train from Two Mountains and come down just to go shopping of there course. to get my band shirts. Yeah, Of course. Yeah. You, me, everyone. Everyone bought their patches and shirts and fucking my army posters boots and shit. My posters for my walls because yeah. my, my back in the day I had posters on my of walls. Of course. So he, he actually, I guess, recommended me to Jeff, who's the, you know, the patriarch of Annihilator and the founding member and the guy. And Nick said, you know, uh, if you're looking for someone in Ottawa or in Ontario, 
Uh, Aaron might be interested, but even if Aaron's not interested, he's you know he'll be able to point you in the right direction to someone. So the message I got from Jeff was actually more like, "Hey, I know you're a busy guy, but I was really hoping that you could point me in the right direction of just finding someone." And then I said, "Actually, I I would be more interested in just doing it myself." You know. Were you like familiar with the catalog of the band? You knew the band. Uh, not really, to be honest. Uh, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to do it so bad. Because you didn't know the band. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, I would have pursued your band more to try to join you guys more. Yeah, I know. I would have been happy. You know. But uh, and so, so it's not like that's that dream the thing. It's the same because that's more up my alley. You know. And it's around the same time frame too when we when we lost Yuri and we were becoming a four piece. Yeah. To be honest, you know, like and and it's because. I wanted to expand my plane. I wanted to expand my portfolio. I want to expand everything I was working on at the time. Me too. Like joining Cryptopsy, I wasn't like an Uber fan. Oh, yeah, I know. I remember how it was back then. Dude, I couldn't fucking believe it when I went on the... the back then, there was not really like this Facebook. It was MySpace, and it wasn't as personal and wasn't as updatey mm -hmm. to everyone's lives. So when I saw that you were in the band, I couldn't even fucking believe it. You know, it's just, I can't wait to see Matt next time and tell him how, how proud I, you know, all that shit. Oh, but, it took, took me time to feel comfortable in the band, uh, but uh, I'm definitely sitting very comfortable now. Man, it's good to challenge yourself like that, you know? Uh, it's like when I, when I was playing with Arima, like that's black metal. I never played black metal in my life. You know, me and Nick both, uh, or Nick and I, I should say, we played for that band on a couple tours, and I've played with them on more tours than that. And I think I'll do it again at some point when I get the time. They're great friends, great dudes. I love them all. How do you handle the transition between those festival tours in the tour bus to these situations in a, in a, in a bar and you're traveling in a van? Well, the, the truth is like, Honestly, you're not, you're not going to yeah. expect it, but sometimes when I'm sitting in that bus, I get itchy and wish that I was in the van with the guys. You know, is it a different vibe? Not from... because I don't wish I was with Annihilator, but because it's just like you're kind of stuck with when you're in a van. You're stuck with the guys face to face, essentially. And when someone has a joke or something, or or has, you know, if this person breathes funny, they're getting targeted and they're getting made fun of, and it's, a, it's <laughs> it, it, the time passes really fast, faster in a van. Of course, yeah. Uh, it's way more comfortable in a, in a bus and and with the hotels and, and stuff and that's like a rule in clitoris you know we don't there's a there's a couple rules like we don't we don't stay in hotels like it's if you, if we can't find somewhere we're sleeping in that van together you know we're all we're all it's like a going to battle so you guys like have to you're hustle. talking about ccr man you put the ccr on in that van and then maybe it starts to feel a little bit more real because that music matches the war that we're going through you know but we like it and we miss it we all miss it when we're going and doing our thing every now and then we say you know oh it's been a couple months we need one of those van tours to set ourselves straight, you know? You find it humbles you? or I just I think it's lots of fun. It's just different, you know? There's a reason why... I, I, well, I don't know this firsthand, but I mean, there's a reason why a lot of those bands that are on the on the next level still choose to tour in a, in a van. It's not just for expenses, you know? Camaraderie? I'm saying that right? Yes. Camaraderie? Yeah. For, for the, the brotherhood of metal. Yeah. But I, I think it's... 
it is hard sometimes. Like right now, I'm tired, and because we did the late lowdown, we partied and all that stuff, and I'm not used to like doing it like this anymore. But I mean, it's awesome. I love it. When you're on stage with Annihilator versus being on stage with Calitoris versus being on stage with Arama, do you perform differently, or is it? Just, are you always just the same? I try to keep some things consistent, but I, I try to like make a character for each one of the bands. Okay. It's like a being a wrestler, right? Yeah. Yes. You see. You, so you took some of the stuff from your your oh, your, 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 course, your yeah. plan A. Of course, it's just like a, being a character. It's like doing anything, you know. Uh, I'm gonna do more drop kicks with the '80s thrash metal band than I'm gonna do with the, with Calitoris. But with Calitoris, there's still a couple in there. It's just your hands are a little busier. And my hands are more busy. My head. I'm, I'm more head banging. More less sleeves, you know, on all the shirts at the Calitoris shows. Everyone's got tattoos at the Calitoris shows on their faces and necks. <laughs> Who's uh, one of the best hired musicians you've played with? Hired musicians that I've played with, like in Calitoris or in Annihilator. In all the bands that you played bands? with. Well, yeah. there's like so many guys. It's always drummers, eh? Because drummers are so hard to find and mm-hmm. drummers are so, they're, they're really like the force behind the band because they're setting the tempo, they're maintaining it, and you really only hear the mistakes the drummer makes. That's right. Yeah. You know, so for They're me, more noticeable. Yeah. Like, I got to play with uh, Gene Hoagland. He's unbelievable. Dave Lombardo, unbelievable. Mike Mangini got to play with him. Unbelievable. Is that all on the and boat? I get to play with Eric Marotti. You know, he's unbelievable. amazing. Unbelievable. Shout out to Eric. Yeah. He's amazing too. Like, Nick is uh, an unbelievable drummer. He's playing Eric's parts to a click, you know? Yeah, yeah. These drummers are all crazy, you know? Just to clarify what you're saying is that Eric Marotti, drummer of Calitoris, also drummer of Suffocation, yeah, yeah, yeah. is not here tonight. And we got a guy filling in. Nick Wells, LeFou is there his you name. Go. You know, like from Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> it's, seriously. Look, he's right over there. He's in the room, by the way. Shout out, shout out. What, he, he is, what band is he, is he from? Backstage at, well, he's playing for so many bands right now. He, he's, he's right here setting up his for First Fragment, I know that much. Uh, who okay, else so he's playing he, for he's, First Fragment? I think he's filling in for Bane on the next tour. What? Are you playing with Bane on their next tour? Yeah, Bane. Bane? Yeah. He's Okay, Bane from Serbia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So you got him to come in to, to do this tour. Prognostic. And prognostic. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, from cool. Quebec here. Yeah. From Montreal. And why Eric was just not available? Well, we were supposed to do another week of shows. And actually, Nick wasn't even supposed to do the drums. He, he didn't have time to do it. We had another guy who was going to fill in. He broke his wrist. Oh, my. So yeah. uh, we had to cancel the first week, which Eric was not able to do. The timing didn't work. And Eric only got into town, I think, today or yesterday uh, back in Ottawa. So I don't even think it would have... The timing wasn't right. And we had to get some shows done uh, for a lot of different reasons. But uh, we we had the, the shows booked for a long time, you know. Also, he's, he's really killing the drum parts. It's unbelievable watching someone else play the parts because, for me, Eric's like such a, a, a key part of the band. You know, he wrote some of the songs we're playing live. You know, so he's a pro- he's an absolute prolific player. That's for yeah, sure. He's crazy. You know, it's crazy. What is it only being on this road like with new people? There's been like a lot of member changes. You know, I hate when I get this question asked to me in Cryptopsy too. You know, like why so many member changes? And, you know, a lot of singer changes. Uh, how do you feel? Where, where, are you, where are you guys now? And how do you feel with the lineup now? Well, member changes are weird because uh, bands are made up of humans. And these humans are supposed to add so much of themselves to the band, right? But bands also, like, have an aesthetic themselves and a life of their own. 
Uh, it's a it's a weird thing. There's some bands I find that have members that are so important, so prolific, that the members are even more important than the band themselves. You know, sometimes people are going like a good example is like Derek Roddy. Okay, when Derek Roddy's playing for a band, okay. If it was a jazz band, there'd be a bunch of guys wearing Hate Eternal shirts at that show waiting to talk to him or just watching him play the whole fucking time. And it's the same thing for, for any musician, I, th I, I think. The guys I got in the band right now are so talented. It's unbelievable. And they, they themselves are in different big bands like Eric or like Nick, who's in First Fragment, and he's joining another band I can't talk about right now, but he's he's joining another big I'll, band. I'll ask you after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just... It, it's important having good guys, right? But in a, like in, in a certain way, the band attaches itself to the key members anyway. So, like, me and Nick and Eric have been there the longest, so the band's kind of just sewn to our hip, you know? We're just kind of synonymous with it. It's like Jeff's been in Annihilator for so long that he's, well, he's been there since day one. You know, he is Annihilator. So it's like, obviously, people are going to recognize him all the time, and they're going to recognize the fact that he it, is the guy. All these other members, obviously, they play a key role in, in the band existing. But... I think that at a certain point, like I was saying earlier, the band becomes bigger than than these people, right? So the band it, it continuing is just the main the main idea. Do you feel like you found a solid vocalist, though? Oh, for for which band? For Clitoris. I think for both bands. First of all, like Jeff in, in Annihilator is perfect. Yeah, yeah but he I've should, seen he a bunch be, of He stuff. should be fucking yeah. singing. He should have been singing the whole time, in my opinion, just because the stuff in the '90s, the early '90s, was for me the best Annihilator stuff. Other than the '80s stuff, I like I love '80s metal. Like that's my one of my favorite things. I wasn't familiar with Annihilator's discography because it's more on the thrashier side, but I love like '80s. Like the extreme in Mr. Big, you know, mm -hmm. like yeah, you're yeah. saying. Yeah. So with a, with Annihilator, I think Jeff's perfect. With our band, I think the same thing. I think Matt Danny's the guy. You know, we actually wanted him before. We wanted, uh, you, you know, Yuri. And that's that's not saying that we didn't want Yuri. We, we didn't even think to ask Yuri at that point. The first guy we always asked whenever someone quit our fucking band or got fired was Matt Danny. And he was in school. He had all these obligations. And eventually it became just his band. You know, he said, okay, I'll just do the tour. And then he's like, ah, I'll do every tour. I'll just be in the band. Now, the stuff we've been working on is going to be, it's so much more vocally oriented, you know? like He came more prepared. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be really cool. I'm really excited to show the world what Matt Danny has in store. Like, even his friends who have heard our pre-production stuff, like, this is you? Because, like, he's doing different stuff than, he, than he's used to doing, you know? He's not just doing his deathcore vocals. He's kind of expanding. Is he from a deathcore band? I'm not yeah, familiar he's, with he's He's from the deathcore scene. You know, he's, he's from a band called Epiphany from the Abyss. Okay. And they've just released their last... Uh, EP, I think it's an EP. Either way, it's fucking crazy. Super tech stuff, and that's how we found him. We, he, we found him because he just sound, he sounded so much like what we were looking for. It was crazy, and we knew that if he was doing what he was doing with his band, 
then there was no way he couldn't do the little extra things we wanted him to do or the extra things that we think he can get good at doing, you know? That's amazing, yeah. yeah. It's good. It's, I'm do you find it hard continuing clitoris with the double, triple other bigger projects rolling at full steam. It's so hard. You know, first fragment, annihilator, and suffocation. The idea is to find people who can fill in for all the guys who, when they're gone, including myself, so that the band can continue. Like I said, making the band bigger than the members themselves uh, is essential for keeping a band like that with all these key, with all these member fucking changes that everyone complains about. Making sure that the music stands the test of time is all that matters. You know, in the end, like you said, what matters in the end at this point now is going to be having that good vocalist, I think. And that's why we we want Matt Danny, too. He's going to he's going to hold this band together, I think. Awesome. You know, he really is like going to be more the focal point of the next album. I'm really stoked to hear him tonight. Yeah, he's crazy. He's good. He's like my little brother. What is the best piece of advice you would give to someone starting their first band? There's so many things, eh? You know, you know, like that's a hard question because there's so many things you could say and that I want to say, but the first thing that actually came to my mind of the 10 things that came to my mind within a split second <laughs> was that for me... Uh, it always is going to go back to that band being bigger than the members thing. Because you said, like, we have all these crazy musicians that are doing other bigger bands and projects, but still the band is itself. It's its thing. It doesn't matter if those guys are in their big band. The band is still colliterous and it's still going to be crazy tech death with sweeps and shredding and blah, 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 and blast beats nonstop, you know? High BPM madness. It's the same thing with any other like situation you're doing with the, with the band like what, what what do you ask again what was the exact wording of the question hold on hold on what this what is, advice would you give uh, yeah someone starting their first See, band it would be don't rely on the one member don't rely on one really crazy guy like every band I, for me whenever you, you you see a lot of bands when you're touring okay a lot of bands end up opening for the tour package or ends up like local bands is what you call them. These local bands are often really fucking great. And there's always one person who stands out in that band. And for me, I never wanted that in any of my bands. Is it possible that you were that guy? No. Fuck that. Look at my band. You Not just now. Said it. No, I know yeah. that now. But <laughs> back in the day when you were a local band, your that's, first and that's, band. And that's what I wanted to get away from. That's, you know, that's why my first band, I always said I wanted it to have to be stacked, you know? You want to have a band that is so stacked that the music's going to be greater than the band itself. It's impossible for it not to be. You just get a totally stacked group. That's my advice, is don't rely on one person who's great and have all these guys who are kind of following that one person. Try to get all these people who are great themselves and they themselves could hold down the group. Then you know you got something special. And then you could just ride along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my in my position, yeah. It's kind of like the Eagles, okay? The Eagles were like a super group that was made up of all these different vocalists from bands who could also play other instruments really well. They just formed this monstrous, amazing group. Three guitars as well. There you go, yeah. You know? it's, a, yeah. it's my first uh, witnessing of the three guitar colliterous yeah. tonight. The, Eagle, the Eagles of death metal. Oh. Uh, oh. But you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Is for me... It hurts me when I see these bands who are really great, but that there's that one guy that's just like, whoa, man, you're going to be in something special. Because 
but it's maybe it's just the road that has to be taken. You know, it's like all your ex-girlfriends. Like you still love them. They just you. It didn't work out, and it'll never work out. You know, <laughs> just just so when you said that, like that one guy in the band, I remember playing at Rock Pile in Toronto. Yeah, and seeing Dean who's now in Vital Remains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing with his old band. I was like, oh my God, that kid is really, yeah, really exactly. fucking good. Yeah, Fucking crazy and guitar. And now he's man. like totally doing great with Vital and got to move awesome on stuff, to man. Do, he's do doing other great stuff. stuff. Shout out to you, Dean. Yeah, little Canadian boy. What is uh, the best piece of advice you received from someone when you were starting out your band? It wasn't when I was starting out. It was uh, a little later on in my career. And it was from uh, Tony from Vital when I was in Vital Remains. And he said to me, you know, you're going to get fucked in this industry. And I said, okay. And he was and he was actually helping me with some collateral stuff. And he said, you know, you're going to get fucked. And I said, yeah, yeah, okay. Sounds terrible, of course. And he's saying, but you got to decide if you want to get fucked in the penthouse or you want to get fucked in a dingy basement. And I said, well... Yeah, well, if you're getting fucked in the penthouse, it doesn't sound too bad now, does it? But if you're getting raped in a basement somewhere, both chains, not not sexually willing, it sounds pretty <laughs> awful. So uh, that was like the best advice I ever got because now I know how to handle myself in every situation. I just imagine that it's going to turn out really bad, but... There's always a little bit of good that you yeah, can. Yeah, I can figure take, out a way the, to try to to try to morph it to be good and or take the good side of the bad situation. I guess. Yeah, you know, and that yeah, that was totally the best advice I ever got because I think about it all the time still. What is the accomplishment you're most proud of? I don't know. It, it's that's a, a hard question. Me as a musician, I'm never satisfied. So I'm there's not, always something I, more. I, I don't. I don't think I've got that thing yet. Yeah. I want to I, play Wacken. I played Wacken. Yeah, man. And I want to play Wacken again, but on a bigger stage. You know, it's like it's just never satisfied. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, for me, the thing I'm most proud of is. Uh, I don't know. It's too hard of a question, Matt. That's too. I really don't think I've I, I've got the answer to it yet. I think I'm most proud of my family at home, to be honest. Because like, people are always surprised when they come over and they can't believe how real my life is. It's like a day to day normal life. Like the my vegetable garden is astonishing, and my my dogs are very cute and very well behaved and know tons of tricks and are intelligent. And my wife is beautiful. Shout out, shout out to your, your oh, lovely I love wife. Marika so much, you know, and and but, and this is not me trying to milk some shit here. Actually, like my my home life is good. What I'm most proud of about this is not the it it, it is the music, okay? But it's how I've managed to make music work and to be able to have a normal life at home. Yeah. So I am proud of music, like that's what I'm most proud of. But in the sense of being able to make it work to make my home and my family. Awesome. That's amazing. That's 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 that's. that's I go home that. and I'm just like I'm. I'm happy to go out on the road, but I'm also happy to go home, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, that's special. That's I really don't have special. to live in squalor. What's one misstep that you wish you could take back? Oh man, the biggest. misstep. <laughs> I wish that when I left my first band. Are we talking? We're talking musically, or yeah, just yeah. like okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. When I left my first band, that I didn't end on such a bad note with them, because. Looking back, like there was really no need for any animosity. It was, it, it's like a young kid breaking up with a girl, you know. 
you you make maybe an enemy for no reason when only days before you wanted to be holding hands and kissing with this person or making music forever with this person or you guys had a dream together and then because you guys don't necessarily share the same dream anymore you know you guys are now not friends that's my main regret burning burning bridges yeah burning burning friendships you know well well if if, if you're ever listening to to this Hmm? if they're ever listening to this Aaron's aaron's up for a conversation you know it's it's funny uh I actually I had one conversation of the two I needed to have last year and it it was cool, you know. But Did you ne- feel nice after it? Of course, that- man. It was really cool to be able to talk about the old days and it's funny how that like you, you, you get over it and you move on and it still like nags on you but you like have like a new life. Yeah. And then these like past things that you've done when you've like cleared them away, you feel people say you feel lighter, but you actually really do. It's a strange, strange sensation. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, yeah, that's definitely the one regret I have musically is that I, I, I didn't want to end things badly, but I think I was maybe a little too proud to, to end things on a neutral level. That's hard know? when you're young. You're not you know, I wanted mature. to be right when there was maybe no right answer. I hear the band about to start. I can hear that. A few more, a few more questions. Quick ones, easy ones. What are some uh, guilty pleasure music that you're listening to right now? Oh man, I'll just tell you a story. I don't have any guilty pleasure music. I was that kid who listened to whatever he wanted, and I always remember uh, someone telling me when I was a kid, you know, if you want to listen to the Spice Girls, you, you listen to the Spice Girls. If you want to listen to, you know, Django Reinhardt Jazz, you listen to that. Listen to whatever makes you smile. And if music makes you smile, don't be scared to smile. All in the same sentence. And it sticks with me. I, I tell my students when I teach music that every day, I, you know, I'll get that one kid who's when I play something on the guitar or his first exposure to playing something himself wants to smile but he's kind of fighting it and I say hey I'll stop him I'll put my hand on his guitar or I'll, I'll stop the class and I'll say man you can't do that and he'll be yeah. like what 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 do you mean I can't do that I thought that was good I'll say no your playing was perfect but if you want to smile smile your face off music should make you happy you know that was I man all in one sentence that person I can't remember who that was someone in grade school told me that but it, it's no guilty pleasure right now I'm listening to the midnight which is like a, a new retro wave group I'm listening to them a lot and I'm also listening to uh, uh, man I've been listening to ju- just them the midnight new retro wave that's oh, I, I love do. that shit the midnight man oh yeah, my I god I love that shit it changed my fucking life I love life. that shit yeah as you can hear it's getting loud back here so Matt had yeah, a hard yeah. time so now we're like standing super close no I think we're, we're gonna wrap it up but it's not I, uncomfortable we're gonna wrap it up that was uh, excellent ending I, midnight I, is, 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 is what I'm no 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 that, that, your quote about if you want to smile while you're playing something just smile <laughs> I want to thank you for being on Vox and Hops uh, no worries man anytime I, you know stoked to see you guys tonight I fucking love I just love you man it's been so long <laughs> since uh, since I've been able to hang out with you on such a normal schedule N- not only keep- because you know yeah all the best <laughs> peace peace I 
Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for listening to Vox and Hops episode number seven. I had such a good time with Aaron. This is my first time editing out. Uh, we were doing uh, this interview in the backstage of the Piranha Bar, and there was this strange fan sound that was there. So uh, I messed around with using a noise reduction thing on my uh, editing software, and I'm not sure if it's the right decision or the wrong decision. So, you know, bear with me. I'm, I'm learning how to do this uh, the best way that I can. In the At the end of the day, the noise reduced version was the one that annoyed me the less so keep me posted if uh, you know i should have just left the fan humming in the background or not but you know it's it's, it's a learning process and i'm i'm constantly trying to get better at this so please uh, bear with me and uh, you can always shoot me your advice if you know how to do this better than i at matt at voxandhops.com on the next episode i sit down with gabe sieber the drummer of the kennedy vale and he is a live drummer for just about every other band out there so Check that out on Vox and Hops number eight. He tells me about his time while he played drums for Abbott, Power Glove, Decrepit Birth, The Faceless, and many more. And he tells me this amazing tour story, this horror tour story about how he lost his passport and how he had to go on this epic quest to try to get a new one. Coming up on Vox and Hops episode number eight. Thank you. Cheers. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same so if that sounds cool you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and i'll see you there